Well, we're listening away today, Katona Whitlock Bill. With your hosts, Craig, Rich, and Dave. Some people claim that they're not that funny. Well, what'd you expect? They're not getting Hey. Welcome to Whitlockville, a Katona podcast. I'm Rich Nopke along with my co-host Dave Becker and Craig Johnson. And well, Craig, we're happy to have you here. We, there was a moment over the last couple of days, a couple of moments where we, we weren't sure if you're going to be here on Rosh Hashanah Eve. We thought you were going to pull a, a, a Sandy Koufax. And like him, and I think it was the 1965 World Series, he didn't pitch during, uh, during Yom Kippur. You know me, I never miss the high holy days. That's right, that's right. Um, Did Sean Green do that also? Didn't Sean Green, I think, is a member of the Mets. I don't know if he did it when he was with the Blue Jays, but I think he's a member of the Mets. He was just didn't want to be on the Mets. I was just going to, I, I <laughs> totally walked into that one. Listen, this is, it's time for the mishpucha. That's right, that's right. <laughs> so as the, you know, Dave and I were here. But you, you were going to you know, take this off because you just didn't feel like it was, it was appropriate for you to, to, to be on the podcast tonight. So um, anyway, we're, we're happy, to, we're happy to, to be um, doing another podcast tonight. We've got a, a great interview coming up with um, Catherine Ferrara of the DAPC. It's the Drug Abuse Prevention Council. We already pre-recorded that. I could tell you it's fantastic. Um, you'll hear Rufus. I should have <laughs> intro to him as well. He was in the background, so you'll hear that. Um, but first, we've got a couple of things we wanted to get to, um, including our sponsor. Do you want to know who our sponsor is? Our sponsor is, um, the, tonight's podcast is brought to you by Sadness. Dave, why am I sad? Any idea? I'm not sure, Rich. Why are you sad? <laughs> do, you, do you want to know? Really? <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Um, Eli Manning is no longer the Giants' starting quarterback, and that makes me sad. Oh, my God. Because, do you know what? You know what Eli Manning's career record against the Eagles is? Uh, I should know this. I don't. But it's, I'm guessing it's not very good. You're doing this to him on the on Rosh Hashanah's Eve? I will atone for this. Okay. This is, I'm getting it all in now. Okay. I'm getting it all in now. Ten days all coming in a 10-minute in a window. That's right. That's right. So um, he's 10 and 20 in the regular season and 0 and 2 in the playoffs. Um, is, that, is that bad? That's not good. And so since I'm just I want to make sure I have this right. I forgot to read the reread this before we jumped on. Uh since 2009, he's 4 and 16 against them. That's so interesting. Wow. Um how many rings does he have though compared to the entire franchise this, of the Philadelphia This doesn't Eagles? matter. It okay. does, it doesn't matter. You're anyway, right, it doesn't. Just just I'm I'm sad. I'm just sad because we have we no longer have him to sort of kick around, and we'll see what happens. You've got Daniel Jones, who is the the savior here. Danny Dimes, Danny okay, Dimes. If Sorry, you will. thank Sorry. you. Sorry. Um, anyway, we're not a sports podcast, at least until uh, Lutz comes on at some point, and then, and then we're we going to go all. <laughs> won't be a sports podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so I wanted to just talk about Katona parents on Facebook. I thought we would. Um, I, it's only recently that I've been allowed to be on Katona Parents. They they wouldn't let me in for about five years. For, Did you ever figure out whatever. why? No, I well they just they didn't want me to be on it. I 
I can understand that. They don't like me. And so, like, if any, anyone's listened to the podcast, you can kind of come up with a reason. Mm-hmm. Many that's reasons right. Why. That's so right. So, we, we, like, we would email, um, uh, you know, uh, just to say, hey, we're having trouble getting in. And they, they were so nice and kind to try and help, uh, help me. Um, and it just wasn't working. So, finally, it was right around the time the podcast started that I was allowed in. But we were going to do a segment. Um, you were going to do a segment when we first started yep. ideating about the podcast. Uh, you were going to do a segment called What's Happening in Katona Parents. And you yep. were going to tell me some of the things that are going on. Since I've been on there um, over the last couple months, it's been, it's been really interesting. And I, it just, it's so informative um, and fun. So things like uh, information-wise, like Chris Burdick's uh, NYSIG updates when we were having the brownouts. It was great to see that. There are a lot of things about the car break-ins, about... AT&T outages in town. I don't know if you guys are in AT- on AT&T plan. So I have AT&T. The cell has been the cell service has been down for anybody with AT&T. Um, what is it? How long? How long? It's been going on for a month. So you, you sure really? you just didn't fail to pay your bill? I, me and a bunch of other people, I think, in in town apparently. So um, I, it was really informative because I saw in there if you have AT&T to call AT&T. And they'll give you a refund. They gave about half my bill um, of the last month. So for people that are out there that haven't seen that on Katona Parents, it's it's really just it, it's so incredibly informative. Um, recommendations on there, you know, for whatever restaurants or we got patio furniture recently, and people told me where to go. And of course, um, uh, one of the one of a, a great post maybe about a month or five weeks ago was does pineapple belong on pizza? That was on Katona Parents. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, to me, it's very clear. Pineapple can be on pizza, and it's delicious. What's the Hawaiian? Is that pineapple and, and ham? ham? Yeah. Do you like that? I don't actively order it, but whenever I get it, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. I never seek it out, though. Nah, I say I say no. Too much of a gimmick. Too much of a gimmick? There's there's There are a handful of acceptable toppings. Yeah. <laughs> Pepperoni. Yeah. Sausage. Pepper. Pe- okay. Um, meatball. Mm-hmm. And anchovy. Anchovy? What, mushrooms? And mushrooms. Okay, that's, yeah, all, that's mushrooms. more than a handful. That's... So everything but pineapple is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I just, no pineapple, no ham. Pineapple and have chicken's you, pretty good, too. Have you ever had the bacon slice at La Familia? Never, I've never had the bacon slice over there. Easily seventeen strips of bacon per slice. Now is that a is that a breakfast dish at that point? <laughs> well, if we're going back to one of our old episodes, if they served it cold, could be. Yes, could be. Now, recently uh, on Katona Parents, I, I feel like since Labor Day, there have been a lot of a lot of interesting topics, and 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 um, I, I I think there these are things, these are topics like. Um, Recently, there was the threat to the school. Yeah, people posted on that. There was, um, I think, just this week, people talking about uh, or a notification from the superintendent about the possibility of changing the school mascot and name um, from the Indians. Uh, the cell tower has been a big debate over the last um, couple weeks, um, where you know some people on one side are saying it's an eyesore; they don't understand the physically what happens having a you know to a person having a cell tower there and then on the other side it's like you know this is 2019 we have no service in our town and in many places so it's about time we have one and then and then there was the last one which uh came up just the last couple days was um i will label as a cat in tree um now i don't know if we're the 
people to really weigh in on these topics. These are just really, these are topics that people are talking about in town, you know, over a hundred posts with some of these things. What I'd like to do, and we could talk about it too, is not necessarily that we have to weigh in on them unless we want to, um, but to have those people uh, come on and talk about them were I think more the interviewers and question askers, whether it's with the superintendent or somebody else on some of these things who are who are um, more involved in some of these things. But but with the cat and tree issue, I mean, what what sort of expertise would you need? You need to know about cats and trees, right? I think so. I, do you know anything about cats or trees? I know a little bit about trees, nothing about cats. <laughs> so I don't know if you're the right person, the right expert. <laughs> to, to you, you could partner with someone and then bring that combined capability right. to the situation. Right, I'll, I'll talk about my limited knowledge of trees. Do you know anything about cats? Because you guys could have the conversation right now. But cats can climb trees, correct? Cat, well, apparently this cat climbed 50 feet worth of a tree. Now can it climb down? This one didn't. This one didn't. Now, the, the good news, the cat, I believe, and I, I think I read through all of the posts, which were, were many, I think the cat's okay. So That's thankfully, we, we, have, we have a good ending. Um, but there were a number of ideas about ways to help the cat, lure the cat out. Coax it down from the tree. Coax it down from the tree. Go get the cat up in the tree. Bring the cat down from the tree. A lot of people were weighing in. Could you have most seen? most were constructive. Some some were surprisingly not. Um, but I guess that's what Facebook allows. I'm a little disappointed you didn't give it a try with your tree shimming skills. That you didn't get up there and try and get it down yourself. Yeah, I I, I don't know the last time I shimmied. And I definitely wasn't successful at it, whenever it was. <laughs> no? No. You I had bad, you've had a bad shimmy I had experience. a bad shimmy, yeah. I was, I was laid up for about a week. Bark burns. <laughs> Those are the worst. Those are definitely the worst. So we're glad to hear that the cat's okay. The cat's okay. And, and I think just having experts come on to talk about some of these things is what we're here to do. But we do want to, it's great to see that there's um, uh, diversity in opinion uh, being expressed on Katona Parents, and maybe we can we can flesh those out a little bit more, those conversations more on the on the podcast going forward. Right, or and and teach cat teach your cat not to go up the tree. That's right. It might be hard. I don't know. Can you can you teach an old cat new tricks? <laughs> that that sounds. That's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. It's great. It's great. It's terrible. I don't know. <laughs> the joke is bad. I don't know what's going on here. All right. Are we done with this? Should we move on? We should move on. All right. You might have missed this news item. I think you might have. But it is relevant. Just work with me here. It is relevant to the Katona. To Katona. I think um, because, Craig, you mentioned it off the podcast, um, off the, the, the show of what's missing from Katona. Mm-hmm. You had said you thought Katona was missing a bull. <laughs> a bull artificial insemination facility here in town. However, that was, wait, that was off the record. That was, well, I'm bringing it on the record. Oh. <laughs> I'm bringing it on the record. But now we've come to know the dangers of what comes from having a bull artificial insemination facility here in town. Do they outweigh the benefits? I'm going to let you, I'm going to, I'm going to read the story. Okay. And you're going to tell me. Okay. If you have to weigh the pros and cons of this. I'm going to try and get through this without giggling too much. So, so this... 
This this came from uh, Newsweek. It's a it's it's not like it's a reputable. It's not like fake news, like the Onion or the New York Times or anything like that. This is this is Newsweek. This is the headline. I'm going to start with the headline. <laughs> the Onion or New York <laughs> Times. <laughs> I'm not sure how you got those two together, but I like that. They Go seem ahead. pretty similar. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't, okay, I don't know. The headline. Deep breath. Massive. <laughs> Massive semen explosion after blaze hits bull artificial insemination facility. Firefighters forced to dodge projectiles in air quotes. <laughs> I, I don't We're even gonna, know what you're seeing. We may have to get the sensors on this one. I don't, well, that might be it. I don't, do you want to hear the story or should you, are you good with the headline itself? I think, I think the headline is enough. The headline was enough. Was, was there a picture that went along with that of the projectiles? There was no, there was nothing. Um... A huge fire at a cattle breeding facility in Australia has caused thousands of dollars in damage after at least 100 cylinders containing bull semen were destroyed. The fire commander said the crew had to be wary of projectiles, again in quotes, coming at them while ta- they tackled the blaze. <laughs> the liquid inside the cylinders was rapidly expanding and essentially the lids of the cylinders were just popping off the top and projectiles were being thrown from the building. So firefighters went into a defensive mode initially to protect themselves. And this is this is out of Newsweek. This is a Newsweek. Yeah, yeah. This is I, I have visions of. Do you ever see the movie The Rock with the the VX nerve gas? Yeah. The, right, the, those green balls. That <laughs> yeah. Like, as soon as they started to melt, and he's <laughs> and he's and holding. The, at the end, <laughs> he gets on his knees and he's holding yeah. the flares. Yeah. yeah. So you think that's what they're? they, that's like, a, that's they got they're like doing. the last two uh, canisters <laughs> exactly. of, of of bull. Yeah, they were about to. The, the Australian <laughs> Air Force was was coming in to yeah. take care of it themselves yeah. until. I don't know what he was holding, but so. I don't either. So that so I guess hope dies. So hope dies. Um, so that's my story of the week. So right. So I don't know the pros and cons. I don't think your idea is going to work here. In yeah, I, I don't know what could outweigh that. Maybe they just need a better refrigeration system that we could maybe you know employ here on Katona Half. That's right. That's right. So that's it. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about before? We throw it over to me on the other end, where we start to interview Catherine, who's going to, who hasn't heard the rest of this, the beginning of this, and she's going to be like, I have no idea what I got into. Well, th- this does feel like a natural segue into um, a-, a community event that we went oh, to. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is not a segue at all, but... Uh, I forgot. We, <laughs> I we, where do you go from, from artificial bull semen? We go into our Ordinary wishes. Ordinary. So, um, apologies to ordinary wishes. This is all good intentions to, to talk about the great work that you're doing. Um, but uh, Rich and I were fortunate enough to attend an event on Friday night. Uh, that was hosted by Ordinary Wishes, which was a group that I had not been familiar with. Um, And their mission is exactly what they say. They provide uh, sourcing, funding to help communities that struggle to find laptops, to find school equipment, sporting equipment, anything that a lot of us take for granted as part of the things that we do on a normal day-to-day basis that a lot of the community families can't do. it's a it's a great organization. Uh, again, I, I had not heard about it, but uh, attending this event on Friday, I think was was great. So, again, another example of what this town, when they kind of band together, that they do to to look out for their own, and then that also dovetail dovetails into this coming f- 
is it Friday, Craig? Yes. Friday. Uh, What's good? No, no, they, Saturday. This week. The, this coming weekend. But just tell them, because they don't know when they might be listening. So what's the date? Oh, sorry. This will be... October 4th. 4th? October 4th so is Friday. the Community Center of Northern Westchester is hosting their annual gala. Um, another great organization that does a lot for the community as well. So uh, hopefully for those that are around and available, uh, you're all able to attend. And then uh, the last... Uh, thing that we'd like to mention I don't know if we've done this for the last couple episodes but our Katonins of the week uh, this was announced that John Jay High School announced their valedictorian um, and salutatorian so uh, kudos to Jessica Leff who was announced as the school's valedictorian and Sydney uh, Aronson who is the salutatorian uh, great examples for the community job well done Awesome. And now with that, I'm going to turn it over to me and we're going to have our great interview with Catherine Ferrara of DAPC. Thank you, Rich. Our guest for the pod tonight is Catherine Ferrara of the Drug Abuse Prevention Council. Catherine is a former elementary and middle school teacher who entered the field of drug prevention in 2011 in Putnam County. There she taught school-based prevention classes in grades K through 12, coordinated school-wide prevention events, and collaborated with various groups and organizations to plan community initiatives. In May of 2017, she began her work as a new program coordinator for the Bedford, Lewisboro, Pound Ridge Drug Abuse Prevention Council. This tri-town council is funded by and serves the towns of Bedford, Lewisboro, and Pound Ridge. Catherine, welcome. Thank you for having me here. You bet. We're, we're happy to have you here. And um, I, I guess first things first, tell us a little bit about what the, the council does, uh, how many people are on there, just a little bit about sure, what you guys do sure. over there. So um, as you said, we're a tri-town council, and we're funded by and serve um, Bedford, Lewisboro, and Pound Ridge. And we are dedicated to the concept of primary prevention. And what that means is that we work to create safe, healthy, positive community environments. Um, home environments, school environments, and we look at the different factors that affect our overall well-being, not just of youth, but also adults, and any factors that would influence the likelihood of an individual developing substance use disorder or engaging in other problem behavior. Those are factors that we work to target, and we target them by planning events. We plan events on our own in the community. We do workshops, we do presentations, we do film screenings. We plan events in collaboration with the school districts. So the two school districts that we serve are Bedford and the Katona-Lewisboro district. And we've planned assemblies for them where we've brought in guest speakers, we've brought in guest speakers to individual classes. We ourselves have put together presentations and we've given those presentations to parents in the evening. We also work with the clinical teams at both schools and they'll let us know the trends that they're seeing and any needs that they have that we can help them with. So last year we took on a special project with John Jay High School where they had certain at-risk youth that needed some more information and more help and resources on certain topics, things like self-harm and things like vaping. So we went and we ordered special pamphlets for them that went into things a little bit more in depth than the, the regular pamphlets that you would see just brought out in the guidance office. We want to have that information available for at-risk youth. Um, we also disseminate general information on our Facebook page, on our website. We have resource 
tables, set up at different community events. So that's another big piece of what we do. We want to make sure we get as much information out to community members as possible. It, it, just hearing this and talking to you earlier, it's, a, it's really amazing how comprehensive and how much you guys really do for the community in general. Thank you. Can you tell, tell us a little bit about, just a little bit more about what, what does prevention mean? Sure. What does that look like and sound like to you guys? Yeah, sure. So um, I really love this question because when people hear the term drug prevention, a lot of times they could think that it's something that doesn't apply to them and it's something that they really don't want to take part in if they don't have any sort of addiction issues in their family or in their close circle of friends. But when we're looking at prevention, we're looking at, again, making sure that we are creating these safe, healthy, positive environments that really support a person's well-being and decreases the risk of them going down a path of developing a substance use disorder one day or an engaging another sort of problem behavior. So we look at different risk and protective factors that different research has identified over the years. So for example, risk factors which are shown to increase an individual's likelihood of developing a substance use disorder are things like um, poor peer relationships, for example. So um, I know when I used to teach the school-based prevention classes, one of the topics we always wanted to touch on was bullying because research shows that not only kids that are bullies, uh, kids that are bullied, but the bullies themselves, because they're not developing those positive peer relationships, that could impact their likelihood of engaging in drug use later in life. Um, another risk factor is the academic pressure that a lot of kids feel, especially in affluent areas. And it's really good to be driven and have goals, but when they have that pressure on them, that's really taking a toll on their mental and emotional well-being, that's something that could increase the likelihood of them engaging in drug use or, or other poor choices. Um, whereas we also look at protective factors that if we strengthen these factors, it decreases the likelihood of someone engaging in substance use. So things like close relationships with parents and caregivers. So a strategy we always talk about with families are regular family meal time or um, just time to really enjoy together as a family, whether it be family game night or taking a trip to the park together as a family. Research shows that the more positive time that is spent bonding as a family, the less likely it is for the kids in that family to even experiment with drugs. So that's a factor that we really work to strengthen. We, we want to get the information out there about um, different ways that parents can bond with their kids and even communicate with their kids. I've been telling Dave to spend more time with his family. He just <laughs> he doesn't really want to do it. So this is why. I, I, I get it. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me on that. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt your train of thought. No, no, no. But it's, it really is something that's so important. Um, and we're, we're there to help make the, the, the factors, real, give realistic strategies. Because whenever we kind of list these things out, you see the, the wheels spinning in certain parents' head thinking, I, I don't have time. We both, you know, me and my spouse work and my kids are in sports and other activities and we don't necessarily have time to sit down together for dinner every single night. So we work with them and we, I've had parents email the DAPC account and say, do you have any strategies for us? And we say, even if it's a dessert at the end of the night, if everyone doesn't get home until nine o'clock at night and you sit down and you have an ice cream Sunday before bed. And so King Kong, there you go. Yeah, King Kong, exactly. I'm there five of, nights a week. So one of my perfect. favorites. You should just take your kids next time. <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> I was tempted to again. stop on the way over here, I was. Um, 
really just, again, just creating those opportunities when you can. It doesn't have to be an elaborate dinner every single night. And it doesn't have to be a daily thing. It's just something that you're, if you're showing your kids that making time is a priority, they're going to get that message. So if they see you at the end of a long day taking 10 minutes to sit down with them, that that's huge for them. Can I ask a clarifying question? And my perception coming into this was that this was most, mostly going to be focused on kids. Mm-hmm. But... Are, is are there a lot of work with adults? I mean, is there a percentage breakdown of what's kids, what's adults? Because everything you're saying right now is obviously focused on the children, good habits early, which I get. But mm-hmm. is there a, how much of your work is devoted to maybe the moms and dads that are maybe experiencing some of these difficulties? So uh, definitely a good portion. The one thing I'll say here is that what we do is really fluid because we look at what is currently going on in the, the nation and in the community and the work that we do, it, it's ever-changing. So sometimes I'll look at what we achieved in the last year and I think, wow, a lot of that was focused on parents or a lot of that was focused on kids. So I can't really give a breakdown of a percentage because we just try to take things as they come. Sure. And I, I like to make sure that we are serving whatever need the community has. But I, I really like to make sure that we're not only targeting youth, but also parents as well because, and not just parents, community members in general because we, it's, it's really important that we're serving the entire community. Sure. So um, parents, for example, people, people um, working with youth, we're modeling behaviors mm-hmm. and that's, that impacts youth as well. And, and also keeping all of the adults in our community to be in a healthy, positive mindset is something that impacts the overall community and, and the youth in it, so. What kind of numbers, what do the numbers tell you about drug use here, vaping use, I didn't ask you this question before, so I, yeah, I don't want yeah, I don't mean to spring it on you. What, like, what do the numbers tell you about that? The numbers tell us that prevention works, and here's what I mean by that. So, so substances that we've been talking about and we've been targeting in our work for several years, such as cigarettes and prescription drug use, those numbers are down, and they've been steadily decreasing in the last couple of years. In, in, in our area? Yes, in okay. Westchester County, yes. Um, and there's trends that are on the rise, such as vaping, and yeah. now all the news is, is coming out about that. Um, and so it, it shows that the more that we talk about it and the more that we target an issue, it does work and mm-hmm. the message does get through. Um, kids in the area are still drinking alcohol. Kids in the area are vaping. Um, but the good news is that the perception of harm for most substances, including vaping, has increased so even if kids are doing it now they are starting to see and understand that it's something that they should not be doing meaning that not only are they getting the messages that we're sending in our programming but also the parents are because a lot of time the perception of harm comes from what their parents and what their families feel about Mm -hmm. it and the conversations that they're hearing at home the perception of harm is a huge factor that could increase the likelihood of of them continuing to use or using in the future so to to along those lines, what are your thoughts on the efforts to legalize marijuana? This is such a uh, it's a tough question. Um, I I will say that. Um, I mean, I I am not pro legalization, but what I always like to to say in regards to prevention is that no matter what happens, it's a very confusing time for people, especially kids. Right. regarding marijuana because they they hear about it and they, they're told they shouldn't do it but then they hear adults that they respect talking about it and saying that it should be legalized and it does send mixed messages. So 
all I like to say in my role is that it is important to still have those conversations and understand that it's more confusing now than ever for people and the facts still stand just because we're talking about legalizing it and it's being legalized in certain areas we still have the the facts to fall back on when we talk to our kids about it and what it actually does to us and to our bodies and to our brains when we use it and, and those facts have not changed regardless of what happens on the path to legalization and especially with younger people right exactly well that's something too i mean even there are parents who might feel it should be legalized, but they don't want their kids doing it. And in that sense, I respect how they feel. Talk to your kids then about the fact that their brain is not fully developed. And they they don't realize it, but they could actually lose IQ points that they will never get back if they mm -hmm. use marijuana in their teen years. So that's something when you talk to kids about the science behind it. We, we brought a speaker in last year to both high schools, Fox Lane and John Jay High School. His name is Dr. Stephen Dewey, and he is a neuroscientist who shows them actual brain images of what happens when people use certain substances. And he, he answers the questions in a very um, frank, matter-of-fact way to just have kids understand the science behind it. And a lot of times that's what I notice in my conversations with the kids. They, they just want honest answers. They they're hearing don't do this don't you know don't use marijuana don't drink alcohol they want to know why they want to understand well why could you have a glass of wine with dinner mom but why can't i they they would like they want to know the answers and they want to know the science behind it and the facts behind it so even you know with with the legalization with marijuana that's how it all kind of relates what you're seeing on a national profile let's say right like if you had to look at the, the average 16-year-old, whether it's Kansas, California, how does that compare to the kids that are in our district? Is there something different about the profile of someone at John Jay or Fox Lane, one of the kids here, that's different, whether it's the drug that they might be using or the interaction with parents? Are we just a microcosm of the country at large, or is there something unique to this area that you found? I will say that I think that the national trends are usually pretty similar to the local trends. And you have to remember a lot of this is because um, youth across the country are exposed to the same things online and on TV. So I, I don't find the trends to be very different, but you know, certain areas, again, they, they have maybe more of a presence of the risk factors or more of a presence of the protective factors. So I, I don't want to downplay that because mm -hmm. that is huge. So even though there, I don't find there to always be a tremendous difference between the national and the local trends, um, it's something that it, it's best to look at on more of a local level, what it is that we can do to support though to try to make as many protective factors present for our kids because some of the risk factors we work to reduce but some some things we can't do anything about like genetic predisposition to addiction that's a risk factor yeah. and if if that is in um a child's genetic makeup that exists and it could still be that that factor could still be targeted and making sure that they understand that and making sure you have those open conversations but then that that factor still exists so it's just making sure that we do our research on everything else that we could add in a positive way to to their environment uh, opioids had over the last couple of years you've seen a lot of um, challenges around that Are, does that has that subsided is that still 
pretty pervasive right now? I think that there's still an epidemic going on, but again, I think that the perception of harm is now, not only just kids, people know that it's dangerous. They, they know to be careful with their medicines and their prescriptions. They know they, it, it's a lot different. We know a lot more about that. I think we've done an excellent, excellent job overall as a country of educating everybody about this. And I think that doctors have even learned the lesson their prescribing sure. practices have become really different. So just looking at the recent survey results, kids in Westchester, I think it was, it was either 97 or 98% of them perceived it as very harmful to misuse prescription drugs. So that's the good news. We got the message out to them that it's not something that we should be doing. Rewind five years ago, most kids thought, well, if it came from a doctor, even if it wasn't my doctor, it's safe. But we've really gotten a message out there that that's not the case. Is there is there something that you're aware of that the average parent in this area wouldn't know that you'd want to share? That's a is there is there a danger out there lurking that we're we're just ignorant to that you're starting to see? You know. I would have said vaping, but that's something that I think is really has a light that's shining on it recently. Um, I, I would not say, no, I really wouldn't say one thing in particular. I think what's really important though, we, we gave a presentation recently called Hidden in Plain Sight to parents at John Jay High School. And it showed all different trends that could be seen. There's kids that abuse cough syrup and they mm -hmm. take it recreationally. Now, maybe that's not a trend that's very prevalent ar around here, but I think that really the message that parents should walk away with is keep yourself up to date with what's even going on nationally because it could come here at any time. So any sort of trend that's being done by kids across the country, even if it's not here right now, it could be here tomorrow. And I think that we've learned that with other drug trends over time. So it's just always having that message that never put that in your head, never my kid or never this area, because that's just not the case. Yeah. It doesn't discriminate. It just does right. not discriminate. My, the town I grew up in was, uh, was in Newsweek in like 1986 for cocaine. Okay. And you're like, it, I mean, it was like, Mm -hmm. It was like 50 kids or something mm -hmm. like that. It was, it was pretty crazy. So, right, it could happen anywhere. It could happen anywhere. Yeah. And one of the things that we spoke about at the Hidden in Plain Sight presentation is to most of the signs, they're, they're hidden in where you can see them, but you don't know what you're looking for. So even apps on your kid's phone. I mean, we think sometimes if you're looking in your teenager's phone, look at who they're texting or maybe look at photos that they took when they were out with their friends. But even apps, there's apps on a phone that could... Um, you could find a drug dealer near you and, and you could meet up to do something like that. So there's, or there's um, apps where if you don't have friends who engage in drug use and you want to meet up with someone and, and smoke marijuana together, it's, it's social media for marijuana users. So that, that's really important. Just be aware of the references maybe your kids are displaying on their clothing or in their room. Um, there's also concealment devices right now. That's that's really big. Um, mm. They're very easy to get. They on Amazon and Spencer's and other stores. They they don't proof kids. So what they are is they're devices that look like um, a Pepsi can. It's weighted to feel like it's full of Pepsi, but there's a trap door where they can hide drugs or other paraphernalia wow. in it. And that's something that's very very common. So we showed a lot of. Um, concealment devices at our recent presentation. And we have information about them available on our website, which is the DAPC.org. But honestly, if you go on Amazon and you just type in 
um, concealment devices or hidden safe, all of these things come up. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I read an article, I meant to read it before you came over, um, uh, vape, detec- vape detectors in schools. I, it was, there was somebody in Lower Westchester had that. Have you heard of anything like that? I have heard. I don't know if these schools in, in um, this area have it. Okay. But, You've um, heard of that? Yes, I've heard of it. And yes. so what, it's like they can literally tell if, if somebody's got a, they're bringing a vape into school? I, I think that's the, the goal of it. But yeah. I think like with any technology, I don't know if it's completely yeah. effective yet yeah. um so i don't know too much about okay. it and how effective it is T- tell us what's the the biggest challenges of your job and what you do yeah i think honestly there's two big challenges one is that it's like i mentioned before it's ever changing and the the trends across the nation the trends locally are ever changing and it's it's so important and again it's not just about what drugs are being used it's if we have um, if kids are struggling with their mental and emotional health, that's huge. Um, there, there's so much to it. It's always being aware of what's going on. And I, I think that we do an excellent job of co- as a council of making sure that we collaborate with all the different sectors. I mean, the schools are fabulous to work with. They are really, the schools are really committed to making sure that they help their kids not just succeed academically, but overall in life. And, and they've been always very open to collaboration with us. Um, so that's helpful, but, but just keeping up with what, what it is that we need to be addressing. And also when we all come together as a council, we have people from Bedford, people from Lewisboro, people from Pound Ridge, and people from all different sectors. We have law enforcement, we have parents, we have the schools, we have medical professionals. And it's, if we talk about topics that people are very passionate about, and it's awesome, but we all have maybe a different perspective on where we should be going with it. So it's really trying to find a way to bring all of our perspectives together and say, what are we going to tackle for first? What's our top priority? And making sure that everyone's heard, but that we're trying to come to an agreement as best as possible. And just remembering that we're all on the same page. We all want to do good. We all want to to make the community a better place. It's just always kind of figuring out the roadmap of where to go first. It was interesting in reading about the organization, one of the things that I guess the word has surprised me was, and you mentioned mental health before, this is not just about drugs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you were, we were talking before we started about screen time, mm-hmm. right, as one of the things that your group is really focused on. So could you maybe talk a little bit about that? I know that's something that, as, as my children are getting older, we're fighting that battle every day. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to hear more about that from your perspective. Yeah, great, thank you. That's an awesome question. Um, so first I'll just mention, when it comes to mental health, when undiagnosed mental health conditions is one of the strongest risk factors in regards to developing a substance use disorder. So that's not to say that if somebody has a mental health condition, they're doomed to develop a substance use disorder. It's making sure that we're being aware of it and that we are treating it and addressing it in a healthy and effective way. So screen time has a tremendous effect on our mental health. And we are not anti-screen time because we really can't be. This is a this is a world that's driven by technology. And if we tell kids that they can't be exposed to technology, they could be lost in the world one day because every single job one day could require them to be well-versed in technology. It is just making sure that they are using it in a healthy way because what research is showing is that 
especially kids who are spending hours and hours on their phone, texting their friends and scrolling social media, comparing their lives to, to other kids or seeing they're out without me and I, I didn't get an invite. It is taking a toll on their self-esteem, on their overall mental and emotional well-being. So we want to make sure that we are teaching them to find a healthy balance. Now where that starts honestly is what we are modeling. When we're constantly stuck to our phones and staring at our phones and not having that face-to-face -face interaction with our kids, it's sending a message that honestly our phones are more important to them. That doesn't mean you can never be on your phone and that doesn't mean if, you, if you're if you on a work call or where, it, and, and let, having those open conversations with your kids and saying, this is work, I'm on it for work, I really want to have this conversation for you, give me 20 minutes and letting them know. But if we're sitting there and we're constantly scrolling social media rather than having that time with them, but then telling them to put their phones down, then it's just a message that's going to be completely lost on them. Does that include, does that include gaming? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Because what's happening is when they're doing that, it's taking away from that. This is such an important time when kids are developing and, and making sure that they are having these face-to-face -face interactions with people learning to have conversations. Because what's going to happen is the kids aren't going to know how to have conversations one day. They just know how to text or maybe um, to play games because I know they can interact yeah. with each other on these games as well. But what's happening is you're noticing if a child has to make a phone call, they're thinking, I can't do that, mom. You, I had a mom say, you know, my 20-year-old won't make a doctor's appointment on the phone and asks me to do it because they're becoming conditioned to not know how to do it. I still ask Jess to do that for me. <laughs> so, And that has nothing to do with screen time. It's more laziness, I think, than anything else. Oh. But it's really, it's just making sure that we, we give them, help them find that healthy balance so they can yeah. still develop those skills. You've got something on screen time coming we up, do. November 6th. You want to talk a little bit we about do. that? We're really excited about it. So on November 6th at the Bedford Playhouse, we are screening um, a documentary called Like, which is all about the impact that social media has on our, on our lives. And the reason I really love this film is because it does not preach that social media and technology is bad. Rather, it shows all the benefits. It, it talks about GoFundMe, for example, and the great work that that does when people blast out GoFundMe pages on social media. So it goes through the benefits and how not only we can benefit from technology, but how kids can grow up in a technological world and really benefit from it and succeed. But it shows on the opposite side, if we're not working to find a healthy balance, that it could negatively impact us. But it doesn't just leave it there with that message. It goes into different strategies that we can use, not only for our kids, but also for ourselves to, to really be conscious of it. Because a lot of times what happens with our phones is it's a time suck. We don't realize it. We say, I'm going to go on social media for five minutes and an hour later you fall down the rabbit hole and you're searching different things. So I really love the film because it gives us realistic strategies and I think that anyone that has a phone or uses technology can really relate to it. So following the, the screening, we'll have a panel discussion where panelists will give very brief perspectives on it, but then we're gonna open it up to the audience to ask questions and we wanna really have this open dialogue with everybody on it. So again, it's the Bedford Playhouse, November 6th at 7 p.m. and we will have the flyer and Eventbrite link available on our website, which is the DAPC.org. Great, anything else, what, anything else going on through the, the rest of the year? So we will be having other events. We don't have any dates solidified okay. yet. Um, we want to do something else to talk about mental health and teen suicide. We, we did something on that last year 
we want to try to target that again this year we would like to have a, a night for parents to talk about how to have conversations with your kids about marijuana in the political climate that we're having so um, that's something that we want to look at in the past we've offered parenting workshops on how to communicate with your kids and um, that's something that we plan to offer again as well but nothing solidified on the calendar just yet got it how else maybe we'll wrap up with this how else should parents think about working with you or interacting with you or engaging with you in the in the council in general so our meetings are open for anybody to attend. We meet the first Monday of the month at the Bedford Presbyterian Church, but all that information's on the DAPC.org. Um, if the first Monday of the month is a holiday, we move it to the second Monday of the month so that anyone is free to attend those meetings and, and come and hear what we're all about um, or to just come to one of our events because we always do a little intro in the beginning about what we're all about. But a lot of times I've had people reach out if they're unable to attend meetings or really even any of our events if, if they're too busy, but they want to um, participate in what we're doing. And I have conversations with concerned community members via phone or email or I even... Yep, told you we'd hear the dog. <laughs> At some point yeah, he made an appearance. Yeah, Cue sure. the dog. You did, you did warn me. Um, but yeah, sometimes even if you just have an idea of something that, um, a topic that you would like us to address, yeah. or um, I've had people reach out and say, could you add this to your website? So if you're just concerned and, and you want to um, reach out to us and, and give us a suggestion, that's yeah. fine too. Any way that you'd like to be involved. Awesome. I, I want to hear from every community member possible. So again, you don't have to be there in person to reach out and let us know how you awesome. want to participate. Do we cover everything? Do we, do we get to everything, I feel like? I think we did. Thank you so much. Uh, you were really incredibly comprehensive. It. I think this is great for the community here. Thank you. Um, you know, it would be great for more people to engage with what you're doing. And um, you're just fantastic work for the community. And, thank and we thank you. you. And um, Yeah, so that's it. We're going to wrap up. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Whitlockville, a Katona podcast. And once again, think globally at Katonally. Do you want to... I like your how you end it. Oh, uh, do you remember? Yeah, of course. <laughs> do, you, do you remember your... I was going to say, I was gonna say <laughs> live by the corn, die by the corn. No. no <laughs> we're not doing that. Your other yes. slogan. <laughs> it's uh, keep, keep moving, Katona, just not the town. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Well, we're... Listening away today, Katona Whitlockville. With your hosts, Craig, Rich, and Dave. Some people claim that they're not that funny. Well, what'd you expect? They're not getting paid.